Hello, and welcome to the Doctors Washington Podcast. In this episode of The Plug, we'll discuss things to think about in the transition from high school to college. Dr. LaTanya, what types of things do you think are important for students to think about as they transition from high school? Students should really think about things that are going to make them appear well-rounded. Also, things that may kind of give them a head start on their college courses, like anything that may make your first semester in college easier, whether that is a summer program or doing some research or moving to the city where your undergraduate institution is and getting a job there. Anything that will make you a more well-rounded student is my suggestion. One of the things that I did in the summer between high school and college is that I went to a summer program at the college that I was attending, Tougaloo College. I did the summer science program. And so this program was really kind of a intense course where we did an introduction to the first year science courses that we would take while we were in college. And we had an opportunity to meet some of the other students and really form some relationships with them and kind of get a head start on the coursework. So that once the semester started, that information was not brand new to us. We kind of had a head start. So that was really one of the things that I thought was very useful because when you transition from high school into college, you really have to be a bit more focused. You have to be self-driven because you don't have your parents that are, you know, telling you you have to study. You kind of have to do all those things on your own. So it gives you a head start there. Any other ideas, Dr. Kimberly? Yeah, I think that after high school, I didn't quite do that. I didn't do a summer program between high school and college. That summer, I already had a part-time job during the school year when I worked at McAllister's Deli. And so I actually just continued working during the summer and kind of saved some money. I didn't go to college near home. I went to college in Boston. And so I had to save up a little bit of money just so that I had a little cash on the side. I didn't save up that money in order to help pay for college because I was on scholarship to college. But it was nice to have a little bit of extra money. For those people who maybe you have to pay a little bit on your college education, then that may be a good time to get a job in order to offset that cost. And so even though we are encouraging you to do these things that are educational and improve your education. We understand that not everybody has the financial wherewithal to just go straight into college, have a scholarship, et cetera. So even though we do recommend that you do a summer program that makes college a little bit easier, it's not unusual either to skip that and, and get a job to help you pay for some of college or or all of it or whatever you need to do in order to financially support that decision to get that higher education degree. Some people also go to community colleges and do some summer courses there, which again serves the same purpose to really help familiarize yourself with some of the coursework that you'll end up seeing once you start college courses. Yeah, I agree with that. I think we talked about that on a previous episode. Being able to get some of those college credits out of the way at a community college would be very beneficial. It also tends to be a bit cheaper 
than the four-year colleges. And as long as the credits transfer, then there really shouldn't be much of an issue. So when we are talking about these classes that students can take during the summer, maybe at a community college, what courses do you guys think would be good to consider taking? This is Dr. Jasmine. I would suggest the basic courses because you want to have a good foundation and good building blocks to build upon when you start college. So if you're going to take courses at a community college or those types of things, you want to start at the general courses. So general biology, general chemistry, mathematics courses, any of those courses available, then I would suggest those. Yeah, I'd also say, I again, I went to a, a larger university, so there's like a billion classes that you could choose from. I took the basic math calculus um, my freshman year. I took your basic biology, your basic chemistry. So I knew I would be a science major. But at the same time, I also took other things that seemed interesting to me that were completely unrelated to me going into a medical field. Because you tend to make good grades when you're doing something that you want to learn. And so... Some of this is also a numbers game. So it's important for you to actually make good grades. And so that means that if you're going to have a challenging major, then you've got to mix that in with some classes that you're interested in that can also give you better grades to average out your GPA. And so consider that as well. There's some strategy to this as much as there is just you taking classes that are required for your major. If you have electives, then pick things that you're interested in, even if they're completely unrelated to medicine. I took African-American history courses. I took politics courses because I thought maybe I could be interested in politics. I took engineering courses. I took a religions course. I took a ton of stuff, just random. And so your major will dictate what courses you have to take in order to complete your major. But then there are also these other options that you can take and explore those things because you never know what interests can come out of them. You never know when that information will be important in the midst of a conversation when you're networking. I would also say that when you choose your coursework, be careful not to overload yourself because it's very easy to get overwhelmed because you just want to get things done or you don't want to have to wait another semester or another year to take a class that's only offered one semester out of the year. Balance it out because the grades you make in those classes are really important. So definitely don't short yourself by overloading your work in order to get things done faster. Yeah, I would agree with that, Dr. Kimberly. This is Dr. Latanya. And when I was in in college, I took courses that I had interest in, like some business courses, some economics courses, some foreign language courses, just anything that... I thought was interesting to make me well-rounded. I mean, the college that I went to was a liberal arts college, so, but it was a smaller institution as well. So we didn't have a ton of variety in the courses that were offered. One of the other things that I want to say is depending on the undergraduate institution you choose to go to, make sure you get that set course catalog or that curriculum and you understand that Because in the smaller schools, they don't offer the courses that you may need to graduate with your major every year. And so you don't want to miss out an opportunity of taking a course. And then that course won't be offered for the next semester or the next school year when you might need that course, because that could really delay your graduation. 
I know a couple of people that that happened to, and they ended up having to stay back until they could get those courses done. That's always one thing to think about as well. I have one comment, and then I have a question for Dr. Jasmine. This is Dr. Kimberly. My comment is that the other thing that we tend to do, or I did, I know, and I didn't realize was not an option, is that you don't have to major in a science in order to go to medical school. So that piece of information, I didn't know going into college or going into medical school. It wasn't until I got in medical school where I met other classmates who had majors in completely different things. And I thought to myself, dang, I should have had another major because I really liked math. I really enjoyed math. And I probably should have been a math major. So I would highly encourage you to, you know, major in what you are interested in and then do your prereq courses as needed in order to get where you want to go in your next step. Now, my question to Dr. Jasmine is, the one thing we haven't mentioned is we haven't specifically named our colleges. Dr. Jasmine and Dr. Latanya went to Tulu College in Mississippi, which is an HBCU, whereas I did not. I went to Northeastern University, which is a predominantly white university. So my question to Dr. Jasmine is, there's a lot that's going around in the social media and et cetera now about HBCUs, pointing out the fact that we will now have a vice president who's from an HBCU as well as other uh, government officials. How do you feel about your education at HBCU in comparison to what the preconceived notion about HBCUs is? To be honest, out of all three of us, I can speak to that more uniquely because I actually took courses on both sides. I actually took undergraduate courses at Brown University in addition to my courses at Tuglu. And to be honest, personally, I didn't see a difference in the quality of the coursework. I actually took the core biology courses and uh, things like that, things that were actually going to help me once I got to medical school. I feel like the coursework was similar. You don't lose anything by being a graduate of a historically Black college or university. There is this preconceived notion that graduates of HBCUs may have easier coursework or a GPA from an HBCU may not be similar. But but I would challenge that. I think that they're comparable. I think that the type of nurturing that you get at an HBCU is different, seeing that firsthand. The biggest difference between uh, education at HBCU and a predominantly white institution is more cultural and not the quality of the coursework. This is Dr. LaTanya. The thing that I will say is, for me, the biggest advantage of going to HBCU was really the community. I did feel like I had a lot of nurturing. There are a lot of my professors that I had in undergrad that I still communicate with today. They've asked me to come back to do speaking engagements, to mentor students and all of those things. And, and so that has been really an added bonus to me, just really being able to give back to that institution. I would challenge People who say that the HBCU curriculum is not as rigorous as a PWI curriculum. I have several of my classmates from Tougaloo who have gone on to other medical and health professional schools. Uh, actually, Tougaloo College graduates most of the African-American physicians in the state of Mississippi. And so that is not something to be taken lightly. I 
can't speak highly enough about Tougaloo College, I would really say that I would suggest that everyone attend Tougaloo College. It was an amazing experience for me. And I think that just having that nurturing environment from the professors, the smaller class size, where if I needed some office hour time to be able to review this thing that I didn't understand during class, that that was something that was readily available because we didn't have a hundred people in our class. I don't think I was in any class at Tougaloo that had more than about 35 or 40 people. Dr. Jasmine, how big were your classes at Tougaloo? Major classes, 10 to 15, max 20. And then outside of that, maybe a few more, 30 or a little over that. But typically within the major, there were smaller, more intimate class sizes, which made for better learning environments because you had that one-on-one relationship with the professor and they really invested in your education in a way that I don't think it's really possible to larger institutions. Well, I would have to say that my experience at a predominantly white institution, it had some elements that were the same and others that were different. I wasn't okay with just being another student in a class of 200. In my freshman chemistry course, there was easily 200 students in that class, a very large classroom. However, I made a point to go to my professor's office hours, every office hours. My professor in chemistry in particular knew me. This little British guy with a big belly. He always used to wag his butt, you know, whenever somebody got an answer that was right in the class. So I had a great experience with my professors, particularly the classes that I liked and the classes that I did well in because I always went to their office hours. I made time. And so they knew me personally. And, you know, fast forward four years later, that chemistry professor was unbeknownst to me at the time was keeping up with newspaper clippings of, you know, from the school newspaper where I was featured in for various reasons. And when I came back to him to ask him to write a letter of recommendation for me, he had all of this information ready to write it. And so he knew me from freshman year. He knew that I was, I cared about my education and cared about learning and that I was interested. And sometimes it wasn't genuine on my end, I'll be honest with you. In some courses, I just needed a good grade. And so I had to play the part. And sometimes that part was just going to those office hours and acting like physics was just so exciting to me. It wasn't, but I needed the grade. And so I knew how to play the game in order to get what I needed. And so part of that is just learning the game at your institution. Major thing is these professors need to know you especially for exams where there aren't multiple choice, like a math exam that requires that you show your work, I would highly recommend that those professors know you because it's selective on how they grade. And so you'll get more points, even with the wrong answer, that you had to work through on paper because they know how you think because you've been in their office hours every week. So I would highly recommend that. Make time for it. And sometimes it's more psychological on that end than it is actually getting the correct answer. I know that sounds a little ruthless, but you got to do what you got to do in order to get where you got to go. Because not everybody can go to HBCUs. There's not enough space in the HBCUs that exists nationwide for you to do that. Even if that is a recommendation, even if you will have a great cultural and educational experience, 
So some Black people are going to have to go to predominantly white schools. Your key to success is that you need to not just be another number in the class. You need to be known to your professor. And the only way to know them when you're in a class of 200 is that they need to see you one-on-one in office hours because very few people actually use that resource. This concludes our discussion on this episode of The Plug, where we were discussing the transition from high school to college, as well as some of the coursework that you should think about. What we'll discuss in another podcast is extracurricular activities and what to do with those summers in between. We'll see you next time. The music on the Doctors Washington podcast is by artist Mike Burton. He's a Jackson, Mississippi native. On his album, Soulful, and the track is entitled All Right. It is available on iTunes.